Hey everybody, this is Jacob, one of the co-hosts on the Back to Back Films podcast. I'd like to take this moment to talk to you guys about Film is Truth, a video rental store in Bellingham, Washington. I had a hard time finding a movie that I was supposed to watch for a class. Uh, The movie was a celebration. It wasn't on any of the video streaming services or on DVD.com. But they had it at Film is Truth, and they had a wonderful staff that helped me find the movie and others that I wanted to watch. It's located in the Terra Organica market, so you can get your films and your groceries in one go. So give them a shot and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Back to Back Films Podcast. This week, we're talking Paycheck and Minority Report, focusing on Philip K. Dick adaptations and why one was more successful than the other. I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. I'm Jacob. And this week, we're joined by special guest, Tyler Riggs. Tyler, how you doing? I am amazing. Guys, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. It's our pleasure. Um, and the sound might be a little... I don't know what what it'll sound like necessarily by the end of this, but uh, Jacob is joining us in person this time around. I'm so. here in the flesh. In the flesh. Yeah, so there's three flesh. of us in the same room, which is always weird. Yeah, um, and he's shirtless too, which is you know, <laughs> despite our many you had requests. To get shirtless. I, yeah, I mean it's a three person gig, so well Byron someone has to have Byron shirt. never wears pants, so That's like true. you know, we right. have to even it out. We yeah. collectively we have the clothes of two people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how are you guys doing, Jacob? Jacob drove up to be here with us. Uh, I'm doing good. Um, it was nice, uh, nice drive, and going to a cabin this weekend, so it should be a lot of fun. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's my brother-in-law's Ooh. birthday. We're also celebrating my birthday, which happened, you know, two, three weeks ago. Or we did an whatever. episode for it. Yeah, <laughs> Naked Jackie. Uh, where's the cabin? Is it like here? Silver Lake. Oh, nice. Oh, dude, wow, I used nice. to camp there all the time. Oh, right up. It's like it's like an annual thing that that we started doing with Tiffany's family and it's totally you guys awesome. own, is it owned or is it like... no we rented it's pretty cheap um for, you know as far as cabins go but it's kind of become a tradition and we stay at the same exact one every single year um so yeah so it's like we own it <laughs> you know? is it on the lake is it one it's, of those it's on the lake yeah because we we got an airbnb right out near there but it wasn't it wasn't on the lake we had to drive to the like mm. lake or whatever but we mm-hmm. stayed in like a cabin it was pretty sick it's like a legit cabin so nice. it has like two outlets and one light you know so like fireplace for warmth fireplace for Hell warmth yeah, dude. uh and so awesome. it's it's totally like snowing there right now so there's snow everywhere so yeah. and it's super icy sick. so it's a lot of fun you know Sweet. you pee in the snow you get really drunk and pee everywhere <laughs> that's what's up you know dude. that's what's it's up cabins that sounds so fun yeah i love that shit what about you guys? Well, we just filmed an orientation a set of orientation videos yesterday for uh, April Brews Day, which is sort of the big like uh, beer event here in town, basically. Oh, April uh, Brews Day! Yeah, yeah, like the biggest beer event here yeah. in town, basically. And uh, they uh, so like when you volunteer, they have like orientation or whatever, and they did videos. Well, last year their videos were essentially the two directors uh, recording uh, with the laptop camera or whatever, like a fucking desktop, 
like Ugh. webcam or whatever. Yeah, it was super terrible, and it was like just them like sitting on a desk just talking. So I was like, you know, we'll shoot your orientation videos like pro bono, just uh, you know, as more of a means to just kind of like get our name out there and like right give mm-hmm. us some like it's free a good cause too. It's like, a good cause yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, it's for a nonprofit. So like, and then like we get. You know, free admit, admission and stuff, and, right? And yeah, drink good, tickets and yeah, stuff like good. that. So. Free booze, yeah, exactly. So, I work for booze, yeah. So it's pretty fair trade, <laughs> and it was why totally I became fun. a filmmaker was free booze. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, it was fun because uh, they were just—it was super funny. They're just like all three of the ladies were just super uncomfortable in front of the camera, so they were just giggling oh and laughing. And oh. it, was just, it, was, it was just a fun time. It was pretty um, funny, right. and they wore so like. As part of their what uh, they wear these costumes or whatever, so that during the event they're really noticeable when they're like leading the event and stuff. So they had like these crazy wigs and they wore these crazy costumes. Well, they they wore their wigs and stuff like for the shoot and stuff. So like it was just it was just super. I, it, it was so hilarious. awkward. I was so jealous of you actually, Keith, because like you had your back turned because you were doing the audio stuff, making sure that everything. Oh yeah, was good. I barely saw anything. But I had to like face them, and like it was so <laughs> awkward because like. They're looking because like they're looking at the camera, but they're like looking at me. Yeah, pretty and, much. But yet you could tell they're uncomfortable. So I'm like the one that they're like being uncomfortable in front of, <laughs> oh, and it was so uncomfortable. So I'm like, funny. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna cut you on the camera. <laughs> so funny. like it was so awkward. That's like, so amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because the way we had it set up, I had my headphones on, and I was just like, I was monitoring audio as we went, you know, just the levels or whatever, and my back was to them like the whole time, so I didn't see like anything. <laughs> oh, it was pretty funny. So they would funny. do these. Movies movements and stuff and then i could tell when one would like mess up the other ones thought it was funny but they didn't want to like they didn't want to let the the, the others know so i but I, I, i'm trying to like not smile because i didn't want to throw the person off but yet i'm like dying inside like uh, it, was, oh, it was pretty so funny, funny. <laughs> yeah. it was that's, like that sounds amazing it was like the executive director of the of the nonprofit was one of the people doing it too so it was just it was a good time she was probably um, baked you know <laughs> just bellingham everyone's Everyone's baked here. Like I, when I drove into the city, it was like, "There's that smell that I know." It's <laughs> like this haze, this cloud. Of yeah, big city. Skunk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's definitely. It's not smog. It's definitely just pot smoke. <laughs> it's that dank weed. <laughs> it's that super dank weed. Uh, all right, so we're joined by uh, special guest Tyler Riggs, who also picked out this topic in the movies this week. Uh, so, Tyler, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Let the audience know who you are. Certainly, certainly. So uh, basically, I am a, uh, I'm a screenwriter. Uh, I am based out of Phoenix, Arizona. Um, my uh, production company is called Millpool Films, and it is uh, primarily myself and uh, my colleague David Miller, who was on here uh, last uh, couple weeks ago. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, yep. That's true. Um, so the, uh, the bulk of what I do is uh, screenwriting, and eventually that turned into producing um, a lot of my own work. So we got our start through an organization... <clears throat> Uh, an organization called IFP Phoenix. They, uh, they're basically an offshoot of the Phoenix Film Festival um, nice. group. So they put on a lot of uh, seminars and workshops and networking events for local filmmakers. And uh, one of the things they do is a uh, filmmaker challenge. So it's pretty basic. You know, you get your prop and a line uh, and a deadline to, to make something. Um, so we started doing that a few years ago and uh, went really well. We ended up winning the, uh, the last two of them. And uh, they uh, kind of, <laughs> it's great. So they asked us to uh, actually join the organization. So oh, nice. now I'm hosting uh, one of their Q&A panels that they have uh, once every month. 
and uh, David is doing the uh, their filmmaker challenges and kind of heading that up. So that's um, awesome. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. So, yeah. So as of right now, our kind of our uh, featured product that we uh, we kind of like to point to is uh, is a short skit called <clears throat> Office Batman. Nice. We made that for a seventy two hour film festival, which is a lot like a forty eight hour film festival, but it's for cowards. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that one went, uh, went went really well. We got a really good uh, reception. Uh, we ended up getting on its favorite, that kind of stuff. So we were uh, we were real happy. So uh, meat potatoes are kind of what I'm putting my creative energies behind right now. is a uh, is a drone film that we're going to do that we're planning on shopping around to different uh, film festivals. A lot of whom are opening up uh, drone categories specifically, and there's a lot of also dedicated drone film festivals as well. So. The idea is to do a, a funny little Western satire and uh, shoot it all with drones. Wow. So, yep. So we're doing that. And, uh, and I'm also writing a TV series, which is probably the most impossible thing that I've ever done <laughs> in my entire life. It is, it is a fantastic amount of work. It is, oh, it's, absolutely. It's yeah. There's a reason why <laughs> but, there's teams of writers on TV shows. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm slugging it out here by myself. I could use a team, damn it. <laughs> so, this, okay. So, the drone film that you're working on, is mm-hmm. it. Are you planning for it to be silent? Great question. So one of the big drawbacks of drones, obviously, is, uh, is a huge amount of noise that they uh, that they put out. You can't really put them on set. You can't really get uh, you know a, a, an actor's uh, dialogue with it. But uh, what right. we're actually planning on doing is uh, is just ADRing the whole thing. Wow. It sounds like hell, but we've we've got a good plan in place. So essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to get uh, get some actors. And rehearse them like it's a play, you know. So with uh, with movies, a lot of times okay. you don't get the chance to do very many rehearsals. You might get you know one or two table walkthroughs or something like that. But um, with this, I want to really drill those guys and make sure that delivery is on point every single time, so that in every single take that they're doing, they're delivering it the same way. When they get back to the studio to do ADR, they're just doing the lines the exact same way that they were doing on set over and over and over again. Hopefully that'll minimize how uh, how much grief we have to go through and we'll use some creative cuts here and there and you know and some cheats and that kind of stuff to offset mm-hmm. uh, some of the things but uh we've got uh but uh, it should uh, it should go pretty well we've got a good sound editor on board so we uh fingers crossed it'll sound all right <laughs> For sure. that's see that was my next question too because if you're planning to adr all the dialogue and if you're working with the drone then you have to build the sound from the ground up right because you're not right I mean, you're going to get some set sound, but I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, with a drone, it's a loud, it's a loud device it's a loud drone, and yeah. you know, yep. you, so you essentially have to build everything from the ground up. So I'm mm-hmm. really curious to see that because that's an impressive task, even for like a short, like that's a right. shit ton mm-hmm. of work. When, when we did, uh, we, we did one of the, uh, IFP challenges where mm-hmm. I did it with these guys and, uh, uh, we went and shot in like a desert. What, what would you call that? thing for laser pen the second location it's like a uh like a wash essentially like, yeah uh, like a wash like a and it was like field. stupid windy right mm-hmm. and we, we didn't have a windsock <laughs> for the yeah. audio um so i was listening to the audio and i was like we can't use this like at all like yeah. this is like freaking destroyed and we tried holding up a shirt to it we tried um <laughs> like we tried everything. It was like this is can't back, believe this is, we, we fucking tried this. Somebody was like, let's hold up a sheet in front of it. Yeah. Like, ah, <laughs> sheet, that, that's not uh, how sound works. That's that's why I'm not a sound person, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh it was 
just horrible. So we decided on set, like, hey, we just have to ADR this shit, you know? So, like, the second half of that movie is entirely ADR'd, and that's, like, an eight-minute film or something. And then, because we were doing that, we went through and ADR'd some of the earlier stuff, too, um, because there was a, an AC unit that was going off and on during the shooting of that, because that was in a giant warehouse, and, you know, it's right. Phoenix in summer, so yeah. you can't not have your AC on. <laughs> right. Uh, and it was just a ghastly sounding machine. And, like, the short turned out really well. Um, it, it, But the uh, it took a lot of ADR work, yeah. you know, Man. To, to, to get it there. And, yeah. ADR is tough. The, these guys are familiar with the ADRs. <laughs> that's a, well, that's good then. Way too familiar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like really intrigued about like the concept of a western with drones. That's kind of cool because like you know like the the yeah. language of of a western you know traditionally there's no aerial photography or anything like that um, you know in a western. But yet it's such a a genre that's like fit for landscapes that mm-hmm. it makes complete sense. But it would be kind of cool yeah. to see like you know a genre piece done you know differently and now yeah of technology you can do it which is pretty sweet. absolutely yeah it's uh you know one thing that i noticed when i was you know kind of kicking this idea around originally uh it it started off as a uh, as a heist film you know and uh, it was supposed to be in a, like a really dense urban setting a lot of like parkour stuff that sort of thing then i then we were scouting locations and sky harbor airport is pretty central in uh, in phoenix and there's a very wide kind of uh, path around it that you can't you know film, you know use uh, use drones in so we were running into a lot of location issues with that so I said all right well we got to get out of the city what can we do we got a lot of there's you know 80 different western towns in the state that we could shoot in so why don't we just do like an old-fashioned western and you know that'll help from the marketing side of things you know with both of us being from arizona making a western it's just one of those things that kind of blends seamlessly yep. together and uh the idea that that i had was to uh use these drones uh and and really try to replace the the uh the uh the camera stand the the tripod you know get them in as close as possible to the actors get it right in the thick of the action you know once uh, you know our story will start off with some establishing aerial shots of course but after that once we get down to the town level at that point, that camera is not going to move more than seven feet off the ground. You know, that thing is right in the mix of things, moving, gyrating, panning, tilting, all that kind of stuff as we follow kind of this uh, this this, uh, this shootout between a uh, sheriff and a uh, couple of ne'er-do-wells. So nice. we've, uh, Sweet. we uh, did a little practice with uh, with our drone guy's um, drone. And uh, the good news is, is that he needs very little prep time to set up a shot. So we can get a lot of coverage. We could do a lot of different angles. It's not going to take forever to, you know, set something back up again. And uh, we can also mimic his uh, mimic his drone with our cameras. So we know what lens to use and what camera settings. So we can block out our scene and we'll know what it looks like uh, through the uh, through the drone. So we've got nice. some work done on it. We're really really excited about it. So I think it's going to make some wow. That, uh, make some that's noise interesting. Yeah. What uh, what lens are you guys using to match that? That is a David Miller question. I have no <laughs> yeah. no idea whatsoever. Like I Weird. almost, I, I really want to stress how little production knowledge I have. <laughs> it's probably my, a, a my, wider lens. Yeah, well, probably, drone yes, like a so. twenty. Well, it really depends I think I on the, the word drone. number twenty-four. Yeah, if it depends on the drone, because if it's twenty-four, any camera, any camera that is uh, directly mounted to the drone that just can't be removed is a wide lens, right? And it'll have yes. a digital zoom usually. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's always wide because you're 
I mean, that's sort of the point of the right. drone. <laughs> but they have drones where you can hook up a camera to it and swap the lenses out and everything else. So it really depends on the drone itself. It's also a lot smoother if it's wide, too, right? If you have, like, yeah, a well, yeah, 90 on smoother, there, it's going to be yeah. a little bit more jittery. Right. Yeah. But a lot of these drones have modes that that mimic, uh, like, a cinema mode or a tripod mode or something. And it, it'll slow your movement down so that you can't do a jittery movement. It'll, like, lock it. Like, I'd use a tripod mode with mine, and it, it really just, like, moves really slowly mm. um, so that it's not very jittery. And then warp stabilizing later can help with a lot of yeah, stuff. Yeah, but it right? looks good, though, like, the way... I mean, what I've seen from what you've done with your drone, it, like, yeah, it looks what it is, yeah. smooth. Yeah. Like I, I'm a huge fan of that slow motion, you know? Mm-hmm. Just really gentle panning, gentle, yeah. like, zoom in. It's fucking or, cinematic. I mean, yeah, that's it's what freaking it's cinematic, gorgeous. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. just my favorite. Mm-hmm. Cool. I love it. Uh, I would love to see that because, you know, I don't know how many, like, drone-only films there are right now. I'm sure people are trying it, but there hasn't been something that really popped. So right. I'm super stoked to see that. But let's let's not boost Riggs's confidence here. <laughs> it's probably going to be pretty shitty. <laughs> way too late, Jacob. Ego's already way over. I'm going for the shock value, you know? <laughs> Just try to, you, you, you know, like, be nice to it first and then... Um, you know, say something really like, me up. piss you off later. So, <laughs> so that way the uh, you know the listeners are shocked by you know shocked by Thanks. how I'm going to treat you for the rest of the episode. So are they shocked? Really well. So fuck you, Tyler. <laughs> oh man! All right. So before we jump into the topic, I just want to ask this question to you. So if you had an un- unlimited budget for a film, what would be your dream film to make? You asking me? Yes. Um, good question. I think I would make the graphic novel that really got me interested in storytelling. Like the very first one that just blew my mind wide open. Uh, it sounds a little corny, but uh, it's a uh, Frank Miller uh, four-issue series uh, called Robocop versus Terminator. And it is outstanding. I think in this day and age of, you know, mashups and reboots and sequels and that sort of stuff, you know, combining two, you know, franchises like this would be a, a huge win. But the the story is fantastic and uh, Miller kind of flips everything. He starts off with humanity losing the war and there's like one last survivor basically who goes back in time to stop Skynet from ever uh, being created. Mm-hmm. She realizes that Skynet got its spark of artificial intelligence from a cyborg cop in Detroit named Murphy. So she goes back in time to basically execute uh, RoboCop, you know, Terminator style. And he really does this really nice job of, of kind of switching things around from the, you know, the books and the, uh, the movies. And it's just a violent fight and it's great. And uh, it ends up transitioning into the future where RoboCop basically like takes over this factory starts replicating himself for this big ass war, huge fight. It's uh, it's an absolute ton of fun. If I had the company credit card, that would be the uh, the movie I make. Awesome! Oh man, that's great. I had yeah. I did not expect that answer at all. So that's awesome to hear. Um, so <laughs> speaking of sci-fi stuff, though, our main topic this week is Philip K. Dick adaptations and kind of this idea of failure versus success because both of these films came out at about the same time, and one was certainly more successful than the other. Uh, so our first film is Minority Report, released in 2002. 
So in a future where a special police unit is able to arrest murderers before they commit their crimes, an officer from that unit is himself accused of a future murder. Minority Report was written by Scott Frank and John Cohen. It was directed by Steven Spielberg and stars Tom Cruise, Max von Sydow, Samantha Morton, Colin Farrell, Neil McDonough, and Catherine Morris. Uh, second film is Paycheck, released in 2003. Uh, so, I don't know. These are really close together, but this is how they were listed. Although I was told that they were released the same year. So, I don't know. Take that for what it is. Um, but uh, Paycheck came out on uh, Christmas Day, like the year before. So, like, the, the, the brunt of it was oh, the very next year. But I think okay. it got released. Was it, like, a like limited release in 2002? I. No, not in not on uh, Christmas Day. I think it was a it was a wide release. Okay, oh, I see. okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, so basically 2002. Um, so for paycheck, what seemed like a breezy idea for an engineer to net him millions of dollars uh, leaves him on the run for his life and piecing together why he's being chased. Uh, paycheck was written by Dean George Harris and it was directed by John Woo. It stars Ben Affleck, Uma Thurman, Aaron Eckhart, Paul Giamatti, and Colm Fiore. Um, so Tyler, you picked this, uh, topic sort of with, with two ideas in mind. One being the, the idea of adaptations, which I really like. Mm -hmm. And this idea that one was, um, more successful than the other. And, and one kind of got, you know, swept away out of, uh, the realm of cinema history. Uh, so like, I kind of want to talk about that part of it with you guys, Mm -hmm. um, because, when you really break down these two movies and they are by the same author initially, Philip K. Dick, um, their plots are really similar, like really similar. It's about two, two men who have the ability to see the future and then they effectively try to change the future that they see. Uh, however, one movie is generally regarded as better. So I guess let's just, let's just kick it off. Mm -hmm. Why? Why? Like it's, it's a, it's a great question. And, and like you said, these are very similar stories. Uh, uh, Philip K. Dick wrote these stories right around the same time, too. They both came out like early 50s or so. I think okay. they may have been uh, released in the same collection early on, I want to say. But they wrote them around the same time period. They both deal with uh, the, the ethics and the problems that arise with, uh, with time travel. Not from a, like a theoretical or mathematical perspective, but from a very human one. And I think that's why... Philip K. Dick's stories have lasted the the test of time. Mm-hmm. Is that a lot of that is a lot of his stories is where science fiction gets really good, and that's the the human consequence of whatever the big what if is, you know, and that's what he always examines, and that's the focus of his stories. Um, to me, uh, the the two stories are are solid. Uh, I think Minority Report as a short story is is much better than uh, than Paycheck. The short story itself has some plot holes. It's it's okay. Um, but the, the big takeaway ultimately, as far as like why I think Minority Report and, um, Paycheck are so vastly different is that Minority Report asked questions and it had a theme. There was a Mm -hmm. big underlying theme and not only that, but it was a, a big investment in the character himself. You know, Tom Cruise plays, uh, you know, a, a broken-hearted cop, you know, addicted to drugs. You know, son was uh, kidnapped, which led him into going into pre-crime, that sort of thing. And that's a that's a big central point of the plot itself. And Paycheck, we have nothing to relate to Ben Affleck with. You know, to be but he's really hot, though. 
<laughs> but he is hot. Yeah, yeah. you got to give it yeah, that. No least. shirtless scenes. I was hoping mm-hmm. for one. Yeah, the you know the original uh, short story of Paycheck. <laughs> really kind of like looked at uh, its main theme, its main question was looking at what happens to the little guy when in a future of big corporate interests and a totalitarian, gov- totalitarian government are butting heads, essentially. Mm-hmm. He's kind of mm-hmm. caught in the middle. And, uh, and with uh, Minority Report, it's, uh, it's also uh, big, a lot of questions raised about uh, you know, um, you know, free will and uh, you know, in the future metaphysics and that sort of thing. But uh, it's it's a it's amazing just how vastly different the quality of these these two films are, which is strange because like, I mean John Woo is not known for being a hack director, right? Like he's known for like making good stuff and his name is yeah. known, right? So it is strange that you would get this this film that does feel kind of like a shell, like a like he, it's empty. He, yeah, he might have mm-hmm. read the short story, but he might have not. Like, you, you don't really know. Whereas, like, you get the sense with Minority Report that it's like, okay, these guys read it, they figured out the intricacies of it, and then they expanded on top of that. And you can really the, feel the I, difference. I feel like yeah. they did, because, I mean, I, I read the stories, and I, I think Minority Report is just a better story. Like, short story. I, I don't know. I really like the idea of paycheck like the whole the concept of the story itself i really like the idea i i like the idea too i i just think it's it's easier to look at minority port and make a film out of it than than paycheck i think paycheck could make a really good like short film you know but yeah it, it kind of the film kind of loses itself in it like it lacks surprise you know, that's true. I think yeah, that's kind of a big part of have it. Have yeah. more surprises. It, Minority Party I think has it, a ton of yeah. Surprises. I think if you try to really do paycheck right, I think what you what you'd end up with is a very complicated script. You know, when you totally. factor in like if he does this, then X happens, and then when he does that, something else, and it's it could be hard for for an audience really to follow. But um, but yeah, like you, like you said, like John Woo was basically just going down a checklist of stuff yep. like okay do i have some of my standard stand john woo standoffs right. okay ben yep. affleck was hassling me about that so i'm gonna throw one of those in right uh, do i have a motorcycle chase scene yep uh yeah. do we have a bow staff training scene with ben affleck yep we got that <laughs> a bow staff training scene for the love of crap i don't know if you guys remember that but oh, like yeah. 10 minutes into the movie after he gets his brain wiped and he comes out of comes out of it like Ten minutes later, he's like training with a bow staff with Paul Giamatti. Right. <laughs> that was like, it, and not only was that it was bad choreography. <laughs> it was just like he, he's doing the same thing, and they yep. have him do the same move right. for like five minutes. But it and seemed like it was slow. It like, was. It seemed like he was slow. Like he wasn't even hitting them. Like it was. I was yeah, like, was I really could probably slow. do the same fucking like thing. Faster. <laughs> the, yep. the editing to kick off the movie was not great. It was weird. There was like was that weird, weird yeah. split screen at the beginning. The editing got better as you continued through, and I'm not sure if you just got used to how it was being edited. But I don't. I don't think so. I think the beginning really was really rough to 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 kick off editing wise. They it were got better later. They were so interested in this like this flashback or whatever he's having. More so than interesting, anything. yeah. That one flashback where he gets killed. It's like it's, no, I I get it. Yeah, that, yeah. Like exactly. I get it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Stop showing this. And see, this is the same director who did Hard Boiled, 
which was a good so movie. Weird. Yeah. So, you know, and then you have him doing this. So, and ju- I just want to make this clear too for anyone uh listening. So, Paycheck was released in ni- 1952. That's when it was uh when Philip K Dick released that uh short story. Minority Report was 1956, so they're really close together. Um and that's probably why they're fairly similar cuz he was probably going through some like specific writing phase or whatever. Right. Um but yeah, so like you can definitely feel that there was something like I don't know. I don't know if caring is the right word because I don't think that the filmmakers didn't care about paycheck. There was just there like was a no disconnect. Passion. There there was no passion. It was it was just they were just I'm going to make a terrible joke. Cashing a paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you sorry. are a writer. I mean, I don't yeah. want to go so far as to say there was no, like, I can't say that John Woo wasn't interested in doing it, right? Or Ben Affleck wasn't interested in doing it. I don't know that for a fact. You can you get the sense that a lot of the filmmakers weren't, but there probably were some people who were like, hell yeah, yeah. this is awesome. Like, I bet you this is going to turn out great. Then when they see the edit, it's like, Oh, uh, how do we is, fix this? Yeah, yeah. that's it's, that's what I thought too. You know, I was looking at uh, you know like some Philip K. Dick stories to like to compare, and like I came across Paycheck like by accident. You know, like I had no idea that movie even existed, and it's got John Woo, Uma Thurman, Ben Affleck, Aaron Eckhart, Paul Giamatti. I mean, that's a, stout a crazy cast. cast. That's a good cast. You know, yeah. you have a really good group there. You know, it's. They didn't have budget problems, you know. The, the budget was forty million, you know. That's they weren't really handicapped. But I think the I think the the best example of these two movies and the production kind of behind the scenes uh, was for for Minority Report. Spielberg hired a team of fifteen like heavy hitter intellectuals, like people from MIT, oh, yeah. doctorates, that kind of stuff, to for a three day conference that he held where they would kind of figure out what the future is going to look like. So they could like build that, you know, all the technology and all these advances seamlessly into the story versus hmm. paycheck where Ben Affleck told John Woo, Hey, I want to wear suits. I want to look like Cary Grant. And they decided <laughs> to shoot the whole fucking thing. Like it's a Hitchcock movie because who doesn't oh, like Hitchcock? Do you like Hitchcock? I do too. Let's just shoot it like that. Okay, great. You know, I like pizza, right? And I like orange juice. But I don't want to fucking have them together. It's disgusting. You don't just Dude, shoot it like a Hitchcock movie because you like Hitchcock. You know that's a super good point. It is. They are trying to emulate Hitchcock, you and know, I didn't even realize suits it. suits and the tan suits. That's and the, the first like, thing really high key like look yeah, that they're yeah. going the for. First like, thing I noticed. I was like, wow. Really? Yeah. Like, it good just point. Seemed like a ripoff. The only thing that I felt that John Woo had any interest in doing <laughs> was filming Uma Thurman because he's not used to filming. <laughs> Like, seriously, no, he's, he's not. not no. he's, he's known for the masculine, like, mm-hmm. so the only thing that I'm, like, when I, wa- I was watching it, I was like, I can, I can tell he's, he's enjoying <laughs> filming Uma Thurman. Right. Like, in the sense of, like, those scene, scenes seem so unlike any John Woo thing. I mean, like, there's no, nothing like that in Wind Talkers or Hard Boiled or Face Off or, you know, any of them. I think it was just a strange... He must have been interested in the short story or something because I it was a strange just matchup to have John Woo direct that film. Yeah, it's just, just in general. It see it seems mm-hmm. to me like it was a movie that was done by producers. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Because yeah. It, like 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 you know like like it's been said it, there's no passion there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like they wanted to try like stuff it. but they didn't want to go f- 
farther as far as they needed to right, in doing right. those things. They they like made some de- de- decisions ahead of time and then played it safe after yeah, those de- exactly. decisions. Were I think made. that's the biggest difference because Spielberg. I mean, not only are his films have like heart to them or he tries to put heart to them um that's up to debate depending on the viewer but like he that's what's important to him you know he he wants to be connected to the to the story that he's telling mm-hmm. um as a filmmaker i don't think you're you're you'll ever see a film that he's not invested in himself right you right know what I mean? he, and he works mm-hmm. really hard all the time <laughs> right on all of his sets he's like yeah. a really hard working uh director i think that's the biggest difference you know i think like honestly the paycheck <laughs> the paycheck you know like nice. you know like spielberg is doing it for the paycheck but he's also doing it for the art john woo i don't know if he was doing it for the art for this film right you know i i, I think Phoning mission impossible bit. 2 was was way more art than you know <laughs> like you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and and yeah and, and that's a good comparison because you're dealing with tom cruise you know who at that time, you know, Mission Impossible 2, that was right before, I think, uh, right before Minority Report. And, you know, he's he was the biggest name in Hollywood probably at that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? That's, um, uh, that's right. They uh, He and Spielberg uh, met on the set of uh, Risky Business. And they had been trying to do a project together for years and years and years. So they, uh, the, 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 uh, Minority Report was optioned uh, real early on, and um, they finally got this together. But shooting ran long on uh, MI two and caused some delays. But they finally got it got together for this one. Um, it's uh, it you know it's 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 amazing just the some of the huge differences between the two. You know one one major problem that I have with uh, Paycheck is not just that it's a little uninspired. You know a really good cast can save that. Uh, you know really good cinematography can save that. You know it can cover up a lot of that. You know when you know you're you're checking off a list of stuff that you need to throw in a movie, but what the main problem that I had with it was that John Woo did not have the ability to create tension in scenes. Totally. There were so many scenes that either one didn't have any atten- didn't have any tension because they were mm-hmm. making Ben Affleck just look cool. You know, <laughs> everything was done in this to make Ben look cool. It was never done to we you know. For the story, you know, the themes of precognition, you know, memory erasure, you know, time travel, all these critical story elements that should have been like weaved into the story are never touched on. You know, it, they're never really discussed. You know, it's we don't know what this world looks like. We just see them, you know, in a mall, you know, running around or on totally. a motorcycle, you know, right. something like that. Um, the like one example. Uh, so. Right after Ben completes his first job, they're wiping his memory. And it's just a scene with a bunch of people like watching this go on. And then like someone almost knocks something over on the desk. And Giamatti's like, hey, be careful. You know, this is a really delicate thing. And then he like puts it back. And that was it. That was the tension in the yeah, scene. Yeah. And then that was yeah. the resolution. You know, and, yeah, it's, exactly. and there's just so much of it. And it's, it's just, it's, there's no momentum to the to the film because of that it just comes skidding to a halt so many times because right. there's just eh, just nothing's going on you know I, I feel like a big part of that is comes from the all the perspectives that we're given you know mm-hmm. like it like normally <clears throat> like like in Mon- minority report the main bad guy we don't even know he's the main bad guy throughout the film 
you know? Mm-hmm. And then at, at, at a certain point, we're like, oh, he's the bad guy, you know? And, mm-hmm. like, realizing that. So it was like these filmmakers took this, like, delicate balance to, like, decide when to reveal that mm-hmm. point. While in Paycheck, it's pretty much right away we know that yeah. the bad guy is Aaron Eckhart, you know? Yep. Because he's... Billionaire like, industrialist trope. Yep, you're absolutely right. right. But it was like, why do we know this so soon? Like, what's the point of revealing it here when it would be so much better to reveal it later on, you know, to, you know, to, like, create that confusion? But knowing that, like, he, you know, created this fake Uma Thurman character for Ben Affleck to, you know, talk to, totally just destroys all of the interest yeah. in the scene yeah. like the drama's mm-hmm. gone yeah totally it's, yep. it's, it's funny because um when i'm wa- when i was watching the film i'm i'm watching it normally out on like a, a aesthetic of like cinematography production design and everything like that so when i was watching it i just couldn't get over like just how terrible like the production design was for me <laughs> like it just seemed like so yeah. dated and and, and the, the very typical was cement rooms in the future yeah type of like yeah. the cinematography wasn't anything cool like whereas you know you, you look at kaminsky and it's like whoa you know like the, dude that's the thing it's just like you can't com- you can't yeah. even compare but then what's kind of cool about you know having Riggs on the podcast here is is that he's a writer so he he's saying things that I didn't even notice, and like the momentum aspect of it is something that I picked up on, but I couldn't put a finger on it until you mentioned it, and because mm-hmm. I was just so preoccupied with like with just how bad the production <laughs> design and everything was. But you're right, like that scene with Paul Giamatti, and he's like freaking out, and it's and then it just cuts to like Paul G, uh, Ben Affleck on the on the on the the chair with the like the blue lights over his eyes and and he's like you, mm-hmm. you know and then it cuts to Paul Giamatti he's freaking out and then all of a sudden it's good and it's like you know like looking at this it, like oh shit like and then he does that thing where he's like if his temperature goes a tick above 49 <laughs> C yeah. he's yeah. gonna die it's like yeah. oh, okay it's like, oh, we now. get it like, yeah. watch for the numbers it's kind of nice numbers. to hear though from someone that writes you know th- mm-hmm. that there are these faults that aren't not they're not just on like maybe the director too you know like like i mean the director is of course in charge of of the overall thing but like the editing of the of of that scene could have been better the writing of that scene could have been better you know like mm-hmm. it, it's interesting i i don't know if that team at all was inspired it just i don't know i don't think so you know so that, that kind of leads me to the other uh, there are two questions that go together but basically how it's it's basically like how much of minority report can be attributed to the fact that it was essentially the Spielberg A team. You know, you have Spielberg, Kaminsky, uh Cruz. fuck Crew uh well he, I don't know mm-hmm. if he's part of his A team, but the editor, right. I can't remember the editor's name, uh John oh. something, who was Spielberg's editor forever. Yeah. Uh so basically it's like this it's Spielberg's fucking posse making this film <laughs> and then you have John Woo, and then essentially the only other people who are known really are the actors. So, like, my question, you know, how much of it can be attributed to the fact that you have Spielberg's team on this side? How much of the of the failure of Paycheck can really be attributed to John Woo? Because, like you said, was the writing bad? Was it over? Was it producers who were making the movie? Was it the editor who just didn't know how to edit? Because, like, I feel like the the overall pacing. And like of of paycheck was good. I feel like it wasn't like a tiring movie to watch. It was had really stupid moments and stupid dialogue, but like the pacing of it worked for me. 
Um, and which generally has to do with like the editing and stuff. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, I, how much of it really is this group versus that group? And it's hard to really just figure out where the failure is, but I'm kind of curious, like what you guys think is, I mean, Spielberg's got, I mean, one of the best freaking teams of filmmakers on the planet. So like, yeah. right. It's hard mm-hmm. to even compare anything to, it's like comparing Jaws and Sharknado, essentially. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, totally. How do you Ken how do you is. compare these things? Right. Um, well, I, I think I, I, where, I was, yeah, that, that's that's a good that's go? a good good question. Oh, sorry, did you what did you have? Something oh no, you got it. Oh. I'm being passive. Uh, I would say <laughs> Wu succeeded. Wait, I didn't hear you. Wait, that. <laughs> I said I was being passive aggressive, <laughs> but you can go. Go <laughs> no, you go. You go ahead. Okay. You go ahead. Uh, well. I, think I don't want to go. A, <laughs> I think Wu did a couple of things right. I think we can safely give him credit for uh, directing the actors. Uh, the cast is solid. Uh, you know, granted, for something like this, they really don't need their hand held. But you know, right. at the same time, like their their performances were good. I was never taken out of it from there. Uh, like you mentioned, as far as the uh, the pacing goes, it was good. Uh, it, I, I, even though there was a lot of very flat scenes, I didn't feel that bored. Right. And that's exactly. also one of those things, too, that I think helps a movie float a little bit. You know, like when people say you know, there's a lot of people out there that say, yeah, it was a terrible movie, but I don't know. I just kind of liked it. A lot of that, I think, is when an action movie is paced well and it moves along quickly right. and you're not bored. It may not be the best thing in the world, but at the end of the day, you don't want your two hours back. You know, <laughs> that's that's how it kind of succeeds. Um, the ultimate question, like how much of this is Wu's fault? I would say, I'd say the the biggest problem with Paycheck is the script. It is a lack of a story and it's a lack of investment in the characters. I think uh, I think uh, Spielberg had a way better screenplay that had that movie been shot like uh, Paycheck. You know, it still would be you know entertaining. But if you put those effects on Paycheck. You still have a really bland movie that people will right. complain is all effects, no story. It would still be kind of you know forgotten. I would say so. I would say sixty percent of it is the fault of the script. Forty percent John Woo's fault. That that's interesting. Um, that you say that, and I I guess I sort of agree. It's it's hard for me to pinpoint one thing because I wasn't there. And none of mm-hmm. us were there, so it's hard to like say. Um, but I want to pinpoint one scene that made no sense to me, and maybe you guys can be like, "No, that was in the movie. <laughs> the answer was in the movie." But when Ben Affleck gets back after his two-year job, he goes back, and um, I know what you're going to ask. Yeah, I got the same and, question. And go, he, go ahead. He checks his stocks. And he has $90 million. And he's like, holy shit, I'm rich. And then at the very end of the movie, he's like, well, I guess I don't have any money now. Was there like an answer to that? Or was that just like a scene they forgot to cut? What or... do you mean? I'm con- I'm confused by your question. You're confused. Because um, he they do the lotto ticket ending. They, he gets his exactly. Million. They do the lotto ticket ending. Right. But after he comes back from his two-year job... There's that scene where he sits at his computer and looks up his stocks and realizes that he has $96 million. Oh, you're asking what happened to that $90 million initially? 
Yeah. So like the whole movie's like, well, I guess I never got He's, my paycheck. He uh, forfeits it. He forfeits his stocks. N- was that how he was supposed to get paid? And <clears throat> yeah. So the, the yeah, whole point the... was that he was going to get paid by the stocks. He, the the Aaron Eckhart was like, yeah, we'll give you uh you know X money and then pay you in stock, and the stock is expected to rise like X hundreds of percent, which it did. The, the company they said in the movie the company's stock skyrocketed um and then when he's getting his stuff back where he gets the wrong bag of stuff the wrong bag quote unquote right the lady's like oh you you decided to forfeit your stocks like a week ago before this happened <laughs> right oh okay so this is probably one of those things where <laughs> i was so disinterested in the movie <laughs> i'll probably just like yeah that i was just like oh that doesn't make any sense and he's like why would i Give up ninety million dollars for this crap, blah blah blah, and then right. And then no, yeah, it. I remember all that stuff. Yeah. I uh, I failed to connect those two things. I'm not gonna lie, the the lady that tells him that uh, you know, the she's at the desk, right? They're at like some meeting conference room, yeah, or like something. a conference. Is, is that the lady? Yeah. Is that the blonde lady? Uh, no, it was a no, different lady, right? I don't think so. Yeah. Well, blonde. the blonde lady and the other lady that tell him <laughs> that he's. No longer has that money. That's the best part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty pretty low for being the best part of the movie. <laughs> uh, that was like Riggs, the one what, uh, scene, scene that did you think Matthew? I would point out? What's that? What scene did you think I was going to point out? You said, I know what you're um, talking about. What scene was that? Uh, the uh, question was related. I think like the biggest issue... I think it, it, it involved the money because, like in the in the book, uh, he trades his money for the ability to take those those like little trinkets out. Essentially, you know what I mean. And that's it. They look at you know, and it's it doesn't really make a lot of sense in the book. They translated it to the movie, and it was just it was absolutely fumbled. You know what I mean? But you're you're hundred percent right. Like. He comes out, everything's hunky dory, and then like he goes back to get his uh, shares. She says, "Oh yeah, you, you turn them all in for this junk here." Like, why didn't she bring that up the first time? You know, and also when he went back, like, why was there like no? Why was she so confused by all this? Like, is mind erasure not a public knowledge <laughs> thing? You know, right. like, is she like totally in the dark about this? You know, and it's it was just totally fun. But yeah, that's that's. That's a major question I, I had as well too. Right. That that to to, uh, to be fair, uh, I was pointing out something that I just didn't understand about the movie's plot that I just totally <laughs> yeah. missed. What you are pointing out is something way smarter than 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 what uh, <laughs> than what I came up with for the podcast. So Dumbass, uh, Jacob. thanks for setting me up, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> you Philip K. Dick. I was I was agreeing with you. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> I'm surprised we've made a lot of paycheck jokes and less and like less dick, dick jokes. jokes. Well, we always make dick jokes. It's funny because like I know I think somebody said you know like if this film had been done by a different director or different I, I I don't know like I feel like probably the source material by Philip K. Dick is probably pretty good for paycheck. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I think this per- whoever adapted it might be a little bit at fault for you know because like there isn't a philip k dick movie that i can think of 
that's worse than this one though you know like the adjustment bureau um well let me tell you about all the philip k dick you know, film like, adaptations nice. like, there, there's so many of them out there but i feel like this one might be the worst one there, i've ever seen like there's like one every year like though. a scanner darkly is like so great. so the, the most Movie's famous great. easily the most famous philip k dick adaptation is blade runner which mm-hmm. was ad- adapted from do android dream of android's dream of electric sheep Total Recall is the next one. Um, Confessions of a Crap Artist. Uh, Screamers, Minority Report, Imposter, Paycheck, A Scanner Darkly, like you said, which is a Linklater movie. Next, Radio Free Albemuth, uh, The Adjustment Bureau, like you mentioned, the Total Recall remake, and then The King of the Elves, which is supposed to come out this year, apparently. Is that a yeah. Christmas movie? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> sci-fi Christmas adventure. You know what's the interesting? The minor- adults. Oh, I was going to say the, uh, the Minority Report script actually started off as a sequel to Total Recall. Oh, and wow. And then uh, Spielberg ordered a, a rewrite and brought in, uh, <clears throat> uh, brought in uh, Joe Cohen to uh, redo it. And then they kind of went from there. Oh, that's crazy. Makes sense. So, it's cause, uh, so Scott Frank... Who we've actually covered before because we did Logan. He was one of the writers for Logan. He's actually had some some good stuff. Well, I don't know if you'd call it good stuff. He did the Wolverine, uh, Marley and Me, The Lookout, The Interpreter, Flight of Phoenix, Minority Report. So he's kind of been around. Marley and Me is like my favorite movie. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay, bullshitting. Such a pretentious <laughs> hack. That's a dog movie, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, with Owen Wilson. <laughs> movies, the movie's fine. I have seen movie's it. fine. I, I, I haven't seen it. I could see how Minority Report would be an offshoot of Total Recall, but I'm glad they decided to like make it like its own its thing. own thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I just kind of <laughs> wanna... joking about the the pretentious part of that, the hack thing though. <laughs> <laughs> totally true. So this is really interesting. <laughs> okay, so. Minority Report had Steven Spielberg, Scott Frank, who we covered, um, John Cohen, who is not known for too much, but he's kind of known for working with Spielberg. Obviously, you have John Williams on music, uh, Kaminsky, and then Michael Kahn was the editor, who's been Spielberg's editor essentially from the beginning. I mean, Kaminsky um, makes it. Kaminsky's I like honestly, insane. without Kaminsky, he's insane. Like uh, the movie would be better than paycheck but man the look of that movie totally. it's, it's they made it more like neo it's literally described as a neo-noir yeah. science fiction film because right. of kaminsky's like ability to like the stuff. the like uh the blurred like whites in that yeah. movie yeah. like the, yeah. the 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 blurred highlights um is normally something where i'm just like eh about like no like when i see that in a movie like the blooming effect yeah. I'm just like, oh, okay. Uh but in this movie it totally fit like the tone. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like this is actually really good use of the blooming um effect. It's and weird. I like this. It's like a sharpened bloom though. Like that's why I like it. Yeah, it's like, it's like grainy. It's not like that weird dewy right. bloom. It's not like a uh, like a wedding video no, type yeah. bloom. It's it's it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a little different and I feel like there's more texture and depth to it. Yeah. I, and I think it's, it's like real. I think like I think he's not. It's not something that he's just putting an effect over or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I, it's probably it, like a lens. Effect it's something to do with a lens, and I yeah. I feel like that brings so much to that film, 
I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, Paycheck to me, I, when I watch movies, I normally always watch them on a, a purely aesthetic level, at least Initially, the first time yeah. around. And, yeah. I, you know, I've seen Minority Report many times, but I've only seen Paycheck the one time. But um, I just, I can't compare. I can't compare the two, you know? Like, totally. when it comes to the art of, of, of the visual art of it, um, right. cinema, you know, cinematic. Like, if yeah, you took like, a snapshot. You know, like you mentioned before, Byron, um, you know, you, uh, you know, it, you know, me coming from a story standpoint, you know, and you coming from a, uh, an aesthetic standpoint, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because, like, when I was watching it, like, I knew something was, like, bad about Paycheck. Like, I couldn't put my finger <laughs> on it. Like, I was watching it, you know, I was like, each one of these scenes, like, the, 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 the sets props everything you know like it was just i don't know I, I was trying to figure it out and i i couldn't figure out like you know I, again i limited production knowledge so like the only thing i could think of is it was it was like bland almost you know what i mean like yeah, there yeah, totally. didn't really seem like anything was kind of going on you know it just right. They, they were in a mall food court for, like, a while. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best place for a, for a movie is a mall food court. It's, like, God. one of the more interesting locations you could come up with. Yeah. The only movie oh. I've ever seen a mall food court work is with Jackie <laughs> Brown, and that's it. Like, that's it. Yeah. Oh, Jackie Yeah. Brown. Yeah. No, no, it's... it's uh, yeah. It's the high-key <laughs> lighting that is really... I mean, I just hate high-key lighting. It's the same issue I had with Avengers when we talked about Avengers a long time ago. It's just like that look is just... It's a TV look. It makes it look super cheesy, and it makes everything look super bland. Avengers is bad. I think, I think so it kind of Avengers works. is bad, dude. Avengers but it's way better bad. than this. But it, like, it, it works for Avengers because you want to see yeah. all of everything. You know, you want to see all the effects. You want to see all the action. Like, there's a lot happening on the screen. In this movie, it's like you're in a mall. Why the fuck would you want high-key lighting? Because that's not interesting at all. I'm going to play devil's advocate to that and be like, you're in a mall. Why would you have some crazy-ass artistic lighting besides high-key lighting? Well, at least you'd be well, different than the reality. the mood of the movie. But that the whole mood of the movie is, like, cheesy high-key bullshit. Right. Well, so why are they is... putting it in a mall? Well, but another big thing, though, is... is... Paycheck was filmed on film, and the Avengers was digital. Where the digital high key works for that particular type of film, just, right? But the, I, but the high key film part, it high just, key is so bad in general. Just, yeah, in so general, bad. I'm not a, a fan this, either. Okay, I'm gonna go on a slight tangent here, just just on the high key thing, real quick. So I started watching Altered Carbon on Netflix. Which oh, is, how is that? Super good. I, like, I really the like writing it. Oh, is good. super good. It's a um, good, good show. There's like just enough like you know sex and violence and stuff to make it like really interesting. People complain about there's too much violence and nudity. It's not that much it's violence, not that honestly. Much. But anyway, so the thing that really bothers me is they're going for this like neo noir sci fi mystery thriller thing going right. Like, but then there's like these scenes where it's just like super bright. And I'm like, you're in a dank ass city with like neon lights. And you're going to come with some high-key scene and just make it look so dumb. And I'm just like, I love everything else about that show besides that. And it just undercuts yeah. the like the whole mood of the show. Like yeah. you were talking about, Jacob, like with the mood of this movie. Like mm. it just, Keith, I don't know. High-key is bad. Keith, I, have a, I actually have a question for you on that. Is high-key okay. lighting less expensive? Is it like a, a cheaper or simpler, faster option of, of in some way, shape, or form? That's an That's interesting tough. question. I mean, not necessarily I, in terms of cost. Not necessarily. I, I think it could be more because there's 
you need more, more light. light. Yeah, so with <laughs> high key, also, you have to light. I mean, by what high key means, essentially, you're like washing out all the shadows. <laughs> basically like mm-hmm. low key would be like noir like you have one hard ass light on someone there's this fast fall off of shadow you know like half their face is black or yeah. whatever like really contrasted like, yeah really really heavily contrasted where high key you have to light everything so like it could be more expensive but i think low key is harder to do because you have to shape your light in a way that is like interesting it it takes mm-hmm. more time but less light yeah so it's like but normally when, like, you are lighting something, you bring your whole, all your, or not all your lights, but, like, a lot of lights. Yeah. You, know? you have a grip team who's got a... Uh... They have anything. Yeah, So you're exactly. like, hey, this needs to be hotter here. Exactly. So it's not like you buy more lights, but it really depends on your location and how much time it takes to light it. Exactly. But it also seemed lazy to me for paycheck. It just seemed like... We're gonna fucking just flood this set with light. High key always seems it. lazy to me, though. Yeah, like, you know, always. That, it, it just I hate high key I, lighting. And I understand. Stupid I mean, looking. John Woo, he's an action director. He, his his whole thing you is action, and he, action. he loves yeah. that. You know, when you're lighting up a whole warehouse and you're bullshit. I'm gonna wait. Fights. No, you don't need high key for action. Bullshit. Because no. hard boiled <laughs> had a mix of the two. Yeah. And actually a lot of it was actually pretty like like the hospital scene yeah there's a lot of it that there wasn't like black shadows but there was a lot of like just like you know very spotlighted heavy harsh light but i don't think you're you're willing to dare you're 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 right you don't need high key for action but high key makes it easier to like see what's going on so it depends on what style of action you are going yeah if if you have something to show off high key probably works you know but if right. you just don't want to put a whole lot of effort into it it sounds like that's a solution kind of use and kind of looks cheap is kind of what it sounds like i mean the other thing about high key lighting too that probably that adds to the cost more is that the fact that you have to light the whole set which means you, your production design has to be on point right a lot of the thi- a lot of like low budget films will get away with uh cutting corners because the way you light it, you can hide things, you know, you can hide things in the dark, you know, and stuff like that. You don't so. need to fill in the background exactly, with as a couch or right. whatever the shit. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> in general, I would say high key is probably more expensive, but I don't know. We do have a grip person. I could have a grip person I could ask and, and see. I, I think it really depends on like what the story is Does and the location. Do we know the budget for Minority Report by any chance? I'm just curious. One high, yeah, it was uh, one. Uh, it was a hundred million, but yeah. Cruz and uh, Spielberg deferred their payments to get a percentage of the gross. Oh, okay. so they made Which out ended like up being bandits. closer to four hundred. Yeah. yeah, fuck. Yeah, I Whoa. think they so, each made around like forty or fifty million. I mean, I th- holy. I fuck. mean, another big thing, is, you know, here I think is just. I mean, you're talking about Spielberg. Even in 2001 or 2003, like he's a fucking he was a fucking legend, you know? Like like studios are going to back his shit up. Yeah. You know, like you can't mm-hmm. like John Woo, you know, he, he's still a foreign director. I mean, yeah, he made he's made hits and he's he's he 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 was one of the big names that made um Eastern cinema come to you know the western western eyes right. um mm-hmm. but i don't i don't think that's still i don't think that's good enough in executives 
you know their mindset of things. Oh you know yeah, I mean? yeah. You're mindset. never gonna be the Spiel- no one's ever gonna be Spielberg besides Spielberg. I mean, well, Nolan uh, is probably Nolan. the next yeah, 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 yeah. closest thing you could say yeah. to Spielberg. But right. literally, just saying. Well, and Abrams, both of them. Right. Well, okay, yeah. I guess I, I think I Abrams, Abrams is, is more uh, Spielberg than yeah. Nolan. But I mean, they are close, of a yeah. very select, very uh, what's the word? Um, Exclusive, exclusive club yeah, yeah, where yeah. like Spielberg's making a movie everyone in Hollywood is trying to jump on that movie right because like one can say right that John Woo th- this isn't necessarily his fault because he might have actually given a different it, maybe the producer I mean I don't know maybe he was like maybe he had a whole team an A team like Spielberg had right that he wanted to do it but the producers were like nope we're not going to give you that team because or, we don't the, want to put the, the money to it. Or the studio. Right. It's, it's not necessarily right. the producers yeah. as much as it's just the people who are overseeing the director. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, like that's my thing is like maybe maybe Woo, maybe this was like a passion project of his. But you know what? Because they didn't give him the people he wanted or the money he mm-hmm. wanted. He was like, fuck it. You know, like yeah. he's not going to put as much effort and time or whatever it was. Whereas Spielberg, I mean, he gets that, you know? Right. So like maybe that I, could be a, that could be a it thing could too. it could go the opposite way too right. where the studio after the fact was like we got to fix this film <laughs> you know like so they go through and do their studio edit and that's what gets released because right. ultimately they get the final say exactly while Spielberg comes out with the movie and they're like I'm not touching this because I want to work with Spielberg again because if 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 we don't touch this then he'll probably want to work for our studio again because that guy has a ton of power. Right. ton of power. Um, Insane. He is in the top three most powerful directors in Hollywood. Right. So when he wants something, he's probably going to get it. Yeah. Uh, and the studio yeah. is ra- uh, rarely going to challenge him on it unless... Um, Which is to his own detriment because some of his right. newer films, you know, like that's really the thing is how do you tell Spielberg to cut back Right, you can't because he's Spielberg. So a lot of his newer films tend to suffer from the thing that happens to directors as they age, as they get so like uh, they get they get too much, too much power, too too much much creative freedom. Essentially, I mean that's like the George Lucas thing. It's like a very you know quick thing that that kind of happened to that guy. But there's a lot of theories about that. I I like Spielberg, but I'm not the biggest fan. But but he has tried to cut himself down though too. Like with with movies like Bridge of Spies and. I like Bridge of Spies. Yeah, where he's, you could tell he's like, he's, even Lincoln for that Mm. matter, he's not doing these big, big movies um, like Mm -hmm. Minority Report. You know what I mean? Like, um, he's not trying to be the typical aging director that's trying to be bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Even like, like Ready Player One he's working on now feels more like, it's like this weird, like commercial, but also kind of art film, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. it because it is like that '80s like nostalgia, which is like what he's he is '80s nostalgia. Yeah. He is like what the, he you is. Know? Yeah, pretty much. So it's like it feels like this weird like commercial thing where it's like also kind of art. You know, you can kind of yeah. see both. It's kind of cool that he's doing that. I mean, we're talking money here too, but like also as a. This would be kind of. I'm curious as a writer, not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, what, what do you think? What do you think of like? Um, so, like a Scanner Darkly, right? Philip K. Dick. 
that's a low budget movie. It, it didn't cost a whole bunch of movie or money to make that movie. Um, and same with um, you know Blade Runner. I mean, adjusted for inflation, I'm sure it's more, but but it's not going to be. It's probably more like paycheck, you know, right. of, of yeah. level of, of budget. Um, like when it comes to both of these films, like when you're comparing it with other maybe Philip K. Dick um, adaptations, like where where do you think like do you think the money is a huge factor in this, or or is it, or are you going to put more of the blame on the script, or or what what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so. I think the I think the closest relative to paycheck really is total recall. You know, like that's that's its its sibling for the most part. Like for I don't think Verhoeven had a massive budget. I mean he had Schwarzenegger and you know, which gave him some draw and that sort of stuff, but I don't think he had the company credit card to just kind of do whatever he wanted. But yeah. uh, he was fifty he was to still... sixty five million is what that says. According to Wikipedia for, for recall. For recall, yeah. Total Recall. Okay, that's a yeah. decent amount. Is that a, is that it before or after uh, inflation? Does it say? Uh, that's just whatever Wikipedia says. Yeah. So I don't know. It's so I four. Yeah, I think. So wait, wait, what was the uh, question? <laughs> I forget. Sorry, it was, it was, was as a uh, what was a Byron? What was your question again regarding the oh, the two like, movies? When it comes to just like Philip K. Dick adaptations in general, like uh-huh. um. D- how does like money play into that like because i mean i feel like he's such a talented author and his stories are like you said earlier Mm -hmm. thematically um uh the human condition is is important i think that's why they've they've stood the test of time because Mm -hmm. um i think no matter how dated the movie is there's something that you can connect to um but for me like with paycheck it was hard to harder to do that for but but with like movies like you know like a scanner darkly and stuff these other lower budget adaptations like mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's necessarily the story or what that i can attach myself more to but I, it might be the money like just visually yeah. and and the yeah. acting and Blade Runner, I think, really paved the way initially, obviously, for for Phil K. Dick films. You know, like everybody, every filmmaker in the world saw that and went, holy shit. You know, like that is that is amazing, you know, and it, it inspired people for years and years. And I think what moved the needle for Hollywood was Total Recall. What they saw there was somebody capitalizing on this uh, unique idea of Phil K. Dick's and turning that into a fun action adventure. You know, and that's that's really what that that movie was. It was it was just an absolute blast. Some poor person gets plucked out of their life and thrown in the mix, and like you know, just shit goes wrong. The problem I think with Paycheck is that it doesn't have that fish out of water. Ben Affleck is prepared and competent and ready for any situation. Do you need to fight off a group of hired mercenaries? Yes, because he just. Fucking just Batman's his way through like oh, eight God. different guys, you know, oh, and like, God. oh, okay. <laughs> then he then he has to steal a motorcycle, but he knows how to ride a motorcycle expertly well with Uma fucking right. Thurman, who's like six foot ten, you know, strapped in the back, and he just <laughs> navigates this crazy chase scene, you know, like there's is just nothing he he can't do, you know, and it's it's right. just boring because he's, he's kind of know, a Mary the, Sue a little bit. 
Yeah, he is. He is definitely. And the uh, the the lack of tensions in the scene, it just it just sucks. You know, with with Arnie and Total Recall, like it's a blast. You know what I mean? You're like questioning everything. You know what's going to happen next. You know, there's big consequences to those actions, and he's he's not really prepared. He doesn't know what's going on. You know, it's only until the very last like couple minutes, the climax of the movie, where he really figures out everything that's that's going on. Ben Affleck learns early on, like, oh, these trinkets are going to get me out of every situation, and that is just checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. You know, it's just, it's just right. bland. I think, I think the the meat and potatoes is where does that where does that rubber meet the road? Where is that human consequence of time travel? You know what I mean? It's touched on with like one sentence at the end of that movie, where it's like, oh, yeah. if we build this, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna foresee our own terrible future, and then we'll yeah. make it come true. Like, yeah. and that's like. All we're left to walk away with, and like nothing else, you know. <laughs> yeah. There's, there was like there was one scene that like just for a brief glimmer of a second, like I was so hopeful that it that like things might turn around, and it was when uh, he when when Affleck was confiding in Paul Giamatti, his like his trusty sidekick, who by the way they they named the character Shorty, like <laughs> the sidekick character they actually named him shorty like i was like oh my god how unoriginal is that but i had a brief glimmer of of hope when uh, when they were talking in the cafeteria and you know uh, affleck's catching up you know giamatti and giamatti happens to know like a bunch of background information that's really convenient that kind of stuff but but affleck i think like touches on just for a second like this lonely bachelor life that he kind of leads because of this and that's a great thing, you know, like throwing yourself into your work, you know, losing months and weeks and years of your right. life to this. Is it really the, worth the it? <sighs> yeah. yeah. You know, like, like how is that? your life for money. Exactly. And there's, yeah. yeah, we don't really see any consequences of that. We just see a rich no. playboy, you know, and it's, it, it, there's just nothing there. But he touches on that that lonely bachelor life for just a second. I was like, oh, there it is. That's a great theme. Like, now Uma Thurman's character means something. Except that, you know, it, it, all of that was, like, for, like, a half second before, like, right. stupidity <laughs> took back over again, you know. And then Uma Thurman just became a convenient plot device, you know. Right. Yeah, like, hey, it'd be funny if I grabbed this wrench and tried to hit this door. You know. <laughs> that's what I hate about. Okay, that's, like, my it's biggest like, problem with that movie. From? Is like everything is on coincidence. Every single thing. Oh, she happened to grab yes. a wrench that will happen to be useful later. Like, oh, he happens to just notice that the guy is about to snipe him from a car. Oh, he just happens Keith, to like, 100% realize right. that his... 100% his, right. Like, it's just, it's like... To me, it's yeah. worse than do X Machina or whatever. It, it is totally in, worse. In a movie, you get one uh, coincidence. Like, Pretty much. You, yeah. you, you can get away with two... But every movie gets one coincidence, and outside of that, it's like no bueno. And Seriously. this movie is like I, full coincidence, yeah. and how they kind of wrap that up doesn't satisfy. I think it was a coincidence that there's a camera on set. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I I think you're right, Jake. I, it, you know, for me, like as a writer, coincidence is it's always okay to use coincidence if it's causing a problem. If it's causing drama, if right. this the two paths if, cross if, and if it, it creates if it helps the issues, that's okay. If, that's always yeah. okay. It's when coincidences solve problems that's right. never okay. That's that's right. lazy and and that's what I felt a lot of this was. It was just coincidence that kind of solves a problem. Off he goes, he gets chased again. 
coincidence, you know, and the magic little item gets them out of it again, et cetera, et cetera. Right. They li- <laughs> lather, rinse, repeat. Yep, totally. It, the whole idea is kind of cool, like how, you know, all these, like he gave himself these things. But then, like, towards the end, when we find out that he's supposed to die, it, it feels kind of like, oh, there's just another thing. Like, like when the watch thing happens, it, mm-hmm. it feels like, okay, like, even that was planned, too. So it just kind of pulls you away from his dis- decision of everything. Because even the movie asks, like, hey, I can change my future. You know, I can... I, you know, like I, I can still pave my own path, mm-hmm. you know, and that's really cool, you know, like like knowing that he can kind of change it. But then at the end of the movie with the watch, it's essentially saying, no, you can never you can't actually change your future. Like it's already it's already written. And that's such a shitty like note to le- to leave, in yeah. my opinion. That's kind of how Minority mm-hmm. Report is, though. Like, oh, you can't actually really change your future because like it ha- it's going to happen like, essentially the way that the part with the Leo Crow guy happens is, like, you think, oh, it's going to happen with him shooting it the first time. But he's like, oh, he's, I'm going to change my future and arrest you. But it turns out he's actually still going to shoot him regardless. Well, he didn't, he didn't shoot him, though. He shot himself, right? Well, the way they play it out is that, yeah, he grabs, his, grabs at the gun and, like, makes him shoot him. But then when they cut to him falling, it cuts to the same scene, the same shot of him holding the gun out. Like he's about to shoot him. It's yeah. really short, but it's it's the same shot that he's been I, seeing in the premonition. That was Spielberg being God. <laughs> <laughs> I I I totally took that the opposite. I took that as um, like how there's a minority report in the movie. There's there's kind of like the two ways, two paths to kind of go down, and you can either you can take one or the other. And with something like shooting a gun, you can either shoot the gun or not but they and still I, I tended thought, to end in a way that was simple well, like, that 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 crossroads was still the same like essentially the same thing well quite wait I, hold on I question totally isn't, disagree. isn't like in the original vision wasn't there like a, a snippet that they saw that showed crew saying goodbye leo or, or or something like that and then shooting him wasn't wasn't there something like that in the when yeah the, the in the initial first got it right in the initial like thing is like one version of it so right. like he does go reach he does reach the quote crossroads and kind of goes the direction that the initial precognition is, is different than the initial precognition but it still ends in the same way he still ends up shooting him and in that one shot of him falling maybe it wasn't maybe they didn't have another take or whatever and maybe that's why they added it but it, in that one shot of him falling out the window it's literally the exact same position as the precog. He doesn't. He doesn't say the right. goodbye Leo thing, but it's the same thing. I guess, yeah. I guess I just. I just don't take that at because, like, I mean, the whole thing with the with the watch going off, like the timer is gone, so the the precogs therefore are wrong. Even though he dies in the same similar way, like similar shot, I feel like that doesn't that doesn't mean that the precogs were right because they had the time wrong. You know, so yeah, I, I yeah. feel like it. I mean, maybe we'll. Just I mean, it still leads to, to him murder. It still leads to murder. It leads to the same conclusion. It, is it what doesn't I'm lead saying. to. It lead, he killed himself. So, time, but it time. leads to them thinking he murdered him. Is what I'm saying. Everyone right, else in the world but, thinks he murdered him. Which but is, that means nothing because the precogs were wrong because they they were saying Tom Cruise murders this guy when really he killed himself. I, I think I what really you're saying is Jake. 
you're just saying like the perception of the other characters, they feel like everything is happening the way it should, the way it was predicted, that kind of stuff. Even yeah. though Cruz like went down a different path and said, okay, I'm right. not going to kill this guy. You know, it's, it's still from the outside looking at it. It looks like the events still played and out that as path, it should, even though they didn't. Right. And that path was literally like one step off of the path of that they precogged essentially. Right. But it was different. But it ended up with essentially the same conclusions. That may no. It, there were certain no. things about the precogs that they, that you learn as an audience, but the plotting of the movie was still that he murdered them essentially. Sure, the plot is the same, but it's it's different when the main character, when someone murders someone, versus that person commits suicide because he wants to help his family. Like that's to, that's two completely different emotional things. I, I really feel like right? it's Spielberg like trying to like do like a misdirection isn't quite the right word here but you know what i mean like it was like a surprise yeah he's trying to like he's using those those same cuts those same visuals some way i I don't honestly i don't know what he's exactly why his intentions because i mean i'm sure he has other shots that he right that he could have used um i felt that that was intentional but I, I I can't I don't know which one of you guys would be I don't know which it's you, weird because like the rules <laughs> the rules of the precog like with with the minority report like the the whole the name of the movie the whole I- idea of like following this uh, thing that was basically predicting the future in a, in a different tangent um, it, it I I wonder if it just has to do with the how the precogs could be wrong like maybe they. They, they they pick up the series of images in a certain way that makes it look like this is what that's going to happen. Um, but at the same time, the, the one shot where he shoots from a distance, he also that's also kind of a lie because um, that doesn't actually happen. Don't they say that the precogs are never wrong? They do, but, but sometimes the point they of the disagree. movie is sometimes they disagree. So, like, they're never wrong, but there's... They say that in the beginning, but at the end, they're wrong. Like, they're, they, they, um, the whole idea of the minority report is like the, the, one of them is the, like, two overpower the one. So, like, two go in one direction and, or two go in the same direction and say, this is what's going to happen. And the other one's like, no, it's actually going this way. And that's why they, like, destroy the, um, the pre, the, the whole, future crime thing at the end right because they're like hey like this isn't actually as true as what we thought <laughs> um right that's that's I, what i thought i i can see it both ways yeah i can see it i can see i totally see what you're saying but i also see what keith is keith is saying i'm, so. having, I'm not disagreeing I'm, with you i'm just saying in the in the terms of plotting in the movie he was gonna kill them regardless Essentially, it was what was going to happen. He, he was, was gonna going kill to kill that guy? guy. Yeah, that at some point no. that guy was going to get shot by that gun, which was being held by Tom Cruise. Oh, oh, I get what you're saying. So, like, yes, there are things change, and as an audience member, your perception of what's happening changes. But the plotting was still the same. The precog said yeah. he was going to kill him, and he killed him. The, yeah, the plotting but it is wasn't... the same, but the, the 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 not necessarily the reasons, but the, yeah. 
There's which, the event. Which at this yeah. point, I don't even remember where I was going with that. But I, yeah, <laughs> but, I, I guess what, I can what? see what you're saying. Like he's gonna die by this gun, so therefore he's gonna die by this gun. I uh, I forgot why we got off on this. I don't tangent. <laughs> Look, I do want to say one thing about uh, about Minority Report. My my favorite thing about that movie, and then then I want to throw a question at you guys here. My absolute favorite thing about that movie, and there's a lot to like, was Lois Smith. The uh, the woman who plays the plant scientist uh, lady, the, old, the older the lady yeah, that yeah. he has a conversation with in the in right. the uh, greenhouse, that is a fantastic scene. It is so so underrated. Like the the chemistry between her and uh, and Cruz in that scene, it is so good. She's so creepy. I mean, I could I could listen to that lady read a phone book. You know, and 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 being trans, like, like <laughs> it's just fantastic. I absolutely love it. It's just, I just want to throw that out there. My, uh, she absolutely stole that scene, hundred percent. No, that's that is like key exposition scene. too. To like this, are this what we are talking about right now about the precogs? Mm-hmm. That right. scene is the only reason why we can even have this discussion because that exactly. exposition yep. is like the and crux it was made interesting, everything. and that is so hard to do. It is so, so hard, hard to tell somebody the information they need for a story and, and still make it dynamic and interesting. And, totally. uh, and it, that was, that was purely her performance that, that pulled that off. I want to, so, <laughs> I want to just point this out too, real quick. Did you guys catch the names of the precogs? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice this the first time around, but it hit me watching it this time. Shit. It was like some kind of a, I, I don't know. So the main one's like name great. is Agatha. Right. Okay. And then you're like, why the fuck is she named Agatha? That's Chris a weird she? name. And then there's <laughs> Arthur and Dashiell. Are these reindeer names? <laughs> You're right. It's Agatha Christie. <laughs> Arthur is... Uh... Arthur Conan Doyle, right. Dashiell Hammett, and Agatha Christie yeah, is what Arthur they're... Con- fucking mystery writers is what they're all oh. named after. Oh, yeah. Agatha Christie, that's the... That's oh, the no, female yeah, one. That's yeah. The, yeah, and she wrote that one where like the narrator was the killer. Spoilers. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't want to say the name of that book because it's actually really good to read it if you don't know They're, the ending. So right, yes, <laughs> but yes, right, yes. that really famous one, yeah, the famous yeah. one yeah. where the narrator, yeah. So Dashiell Hammett, Arthur <laughs> Conan Doyle, and and Agatha Christie. I was like, that hit me when I was listening to it. I was like, oh, you smart motherfuckers. That's funny because the only one I recognize this probably speaks to me as a reader because I'm not a very uh, avid one. Um, I only know Agatha Christie software too. Dashiell yeah. is the one that keyed me off to it because, like, <laughs> what the fuck? Who named something Dashiell? Like, that's such a weird name. That's so. a that's a stupid name. Yeah, but anyway, what, I just what about your dumbass reindeer? But <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to throw that in there. Let me ask you. Uh, let me ask you this. Let me ask yeah, you guys this. this question. Do a kind of yeah. a round table question here. Nice. You, how do you fix paycheck in a semi reasonable way? Like if, okay. uh, if if you had the opportunity to be in production, you know, you're kind of dropped in the middle of it, so you can't like make drastic, huge changes. But how do you realistically kind of like improve that movie? Where do you put your resources and your and your time to make that movie, which is what it is, like as good as possibly can be? Got it. Okay, I thought about this on the drive up here, so I, I've got some answers. Um, take me. out. The a lot of the Aaron Eckhart scenes um, have some intention behind when we're delivering his uh, like when when we're telling the audience that he is the bad guy. Um, I think it's good to kind of keep the idea of of him being on uh, Ben Affleck's side 
for a good chunk mm-hmm. of the movie and then mm-hmm. revealing it later. Um, I also think Uma Thurman's character, we can go two ways. We can either cut her entirely entirely, and make it about him saving the world. I don't like that as much. Or we can put more of her in the movie and take out the world is going to explode uh, via nuclear stuff. Because I, I don't need both. What I, what I need is <laughs> either a very character-focused thing with Ben Affleck and Uma Thurman, which is what I think would be better for the theme. Um, yep. Or I could go full, like, turn-your-brain-off type of movie um, with the world exploding. Uh, I would prefer the Uma Thurman one. And with Uma Thurman, I would... Um, this probably wouldn't be good for budget, but uh, I would have her ride the motorcycle. Like, she does nothing in this movie that, that adds to it, and it's not because Great of her, it's just because idea. of how she's written. But if she's on the motorcycle, it gives her something to do. And one scene that really bugged me was how she dropped the envelope and Ben Affleck and then she's like I need to go back for it I dropped the envelope there's no reason she should care about the envelope at that point or even know what the envelope means right. she, he tells her he tells her but why would she believe it right out of the gate that makes no sense like from well, a actually, humanity he doesn't tell because he's a blonde and this is uh, uh, Hollywood 19 right or 2001 <laughs> but or if, if Ben Affleck drops <laughs> the envelope that's way more interesting if he has to be like no I have to grab the envelope um but I, 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 but also I think, how cool would it be if you're like watching and he's like, "Hey, can I drive a motorcycle?" And she's like, "No, but I can." Like that would be fucking sweet. Yeah, no, if be, like yeah. they they flip and suddenly Ben Affleck yeah. is like riding on her he's motorcycle. Like that'd be fucking. I mean, it's definitely, yeah. That'd be so cool because yeah. he has every superpower in the movie. Like, he has everything. He can fight, which. Like okay, he swings a stick around, but what is? How does he know how to do hand to hand? How does he know how to ride a motorcycle? How does he know how to maneuver a motorcycle? Right, right. He's a fucking quote a reverse engineer. Yeah. And how does he have any skills besides that? Yeah. You know what right. I mean? Like it's just it's super bizarre. So I, it, it would be fucking cool. Yeah. Because then suddenly Uma Thurman isn't this character who's like a just like a side thought. Yeah. You know, yeah. suddenly it's like okay, what else? What else? Like give me some, give me some more. Yeah, I just think make it more interesting. Just to kind of boil down what you said, I would just rewrite, like rewrites, like just get get someone, some other screenwriter in there, and and say, chop this shit up and change it or whatever. Right. Rewrites. I mean, that's really the biggest, the biggest issue. Like, okay, I'll keep the the weird cinematography. I'll keep all the other stuff, but just rewrite some of the weird plot points and the really just one really bad like one-liners they have see for me i'm like the complete opposite on that for me visually i am i I need to be stimulated visually like that's my biggest thing for me you could have the corniest you can keep everything about this movie Except for the visuals, goddammit. <laughs> the production design and the cinematography the need design. to change. Yeah. I don't care if it's the exact same actors in the exact same editing and in in the exact same like shots even, but 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 the sets and the locations need to change. And same with like the lighting. Like like everything else could be the same and that movie for me would be two hundred percent better. Like <laughs> like, like I, I, I mean, I, 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 can, I can forgive the shit out of a movie for every aspect except for cinematography right. and light. I think or, at the end and, of the and, day, they just needed to change everything about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
any number of yeah. ways you could go. I, I'm curious. Not, uh, a, not a lot to salvage from this one. <laughs> yeah. But Byron, uh, one thing that stood out from in this movie for me was like trying to find the year that it took place. And I could, I could see it being modern day, which felt, it felt wrong that I thought that. Like it felt wrong. There was like, is there like this secret, like memory eraser thing that's happening like today yeah. is that what they're going for or is this supposed to be the future it was hard to like Dude, place the time to me man it felt like 97 yeah <laughs> like it, it was like it felt like 97 yeah with memory eraser t- erasing exactly technology. it was like oh this is 1997 but i'm in a toys r us and i'm looking at a laser tag game and i'm using those same decals that are on my little <laughs> laser tag gun but i'm putting it onto this machine that can erase your memories <laughs> like that's how i felt <laughs> i want to just point out real quick um because we, we talked about this earlier but i kind of want to wrap things up uh just just when we we're talking about a team and whatever like john woo's team of people quote unquote the cinematographer for this movie uh he was the cinematographer for top gun jacob's ladder wow. true romance mission impossible to stigmata um, Star Trek, Nemesis, Paycheck, and then more recently, The Expendables. See, all those movies, for me, I have n- I'm have. i not a fan of the cinematography except for Top Gun. True Romance has got pretty good cinematography. I'm though. not a big fan of it. It was like too blown out. And you like Top Gun. That's hilarious. But I, the Top Gun <laughs> But Jacob's Ladder was bad. cool. Jacob's Ladder yeah, was cool. Yeah, you didn't cool. like Jacob's Ladder? I, I like the movie, but... I, I, I just funny because just this morning I listened to that that episode and I, I I said that for me one of the things that kind of bothered me was like the the way it it didn't okay what I liked was that it felt like it was shot with the same film stock as like the seventies but it's not how I would have filmed it right like it it needed to be heightened but it was it wasn't at all for me got it I don't I don't know how to describe hmm. that but right but. That's interesting because we've touched on those a couple of yeah. those films. So and the editor, um, his claim to fame essentially are uh, he did the Italian job. He also did Born Supremacy, Born Ultimatum, and Jason Bourne, as well wow. as Green Zone and Captain Phillips. And all so those he's movies green are, are are good with momentum. Right. So that's an interesting. So he was the editor for yeah, this one. Because like so, Jason oh, Bourne and Captain Phillips and. And Green Zone, they're, they're, those are exercises in, in building tension and, and momentum. Yeah, totally. and, and like you know, Rig said, there isn't momentum in this film. So that's kind of interesting. Totally. <laughs> it's weird. I wonder, I wonder if a large part of that is the director like shooting it right Yeah, on set. Just didn't give the, the editor just, the yeah. material that he needed to really right. construct a Possibly. solid there you go. scene. Yeah. yeah. Um. Or just the writing is right. <laughs> or something. Something was wrong. So I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that uh, all four of us liked Minority <laughs> Report more than Paycheck. Can I can I safely assume this? without? Yes, but it was very close for me. Was it? Was it? Razor thin margin. Right. I think the for me, if Ben Affleck took his shirt off, like Paycheck would win. Yeah, but since there was no nipple squeeze for you, there was no nipples. Like that's no vote for me. I think if Paul Giamatti had like a two inch 
two inches more of beard, you know. Right. Yeah, right. maybe it, like licked. If Paul Giamatti would have taken his shirt off, then yeah. I would have just. Been, <laughs> yeah. It would have been perfect. Right. <laughs> if Danny DeVito played <laughs> exactly, that role, exactly, that would have yeah. been better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I think that's fair. I think I think Paycheck was watchable, but I wouldn't watch it again. I mean, yeah. it was it wasn't like the worst film that we've right. watched for this podcast. Yeah, I'm definitely far. glad that I watched it because I, yeah. I I'm such a fan of Philip K. Dick. I mean, Blade Runner is one of my favorite films of all time, and and I've enjoyed uh, all, all of those films. So I I hadn't even heard of this film until you had mentioned it. Like 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 for the podcast, like we're gonna watch Paycheck. I was like, what? What is this film? And I was like kind of imagining like a jason Statham like jumping out of like a a, right. a, a bank right. um a bank truck kind of thing right <laughs> and i was like what this is philip k dick like I, I i was like i couldn't believe that i hadn't heard of this film um so i was i was glad that i watched it because uh i i, I started connecting all the themes and 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 the things that i've recognized in, in his stories and the films that i've seen before um i haven't read a lot of his stories but the ones that i've read i've i've enjoyed um so i it was definitely definitely not a waste of time or anything like that right. i i enjoyed watching it in the sense of like it was a new philip k dick experience that i hadn't had before um right but the but the movie itself didn't live up to to what it could have been but but it was it was pleasant nonetheless right yeah like you didn't feel shafted by no. this movie yeah yeah it like tickled your tip it didn't, it didn't tickle my tip, but it it, it, it gave me like a, this weird reach around or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was, maybe it was a little bit too long, but you still enjoyed it. Yeah, it was like it was like massaging my prostrate, which was I'm not I'm not used to it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah, you got to work I'm your way in gonna... the butt stuff for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, one really interesting thing that uh, kind of stuck out to me about Minority Report that I'm that kind of hit me after the fact a lot of philip k dick stories revolve around uh corporate entities and the power that they that they have that shows up in like every single adapted work that he's got blade runner Mm -hmm. you've got this corporation making replicants total recall you've got a private corporation wiping your memory and another private corporation beating the crap out of the Martians, essentially, you know? Right. It's, 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 prevalent, it's prevalent in every single film except one, and that's Minority Report. Corporate interests play no part in the story whatsoever. It is all about the police. It's a Yeah, because that's a government... By other it's cops. like a... Yeah, there's, yeah. Which, yeah there's, it's like a division. You could argue yeah. that that is is a corporate interest it's like a replacement for the corporate interest like it, it's it's still the same thing but instead of it being corporate it's just government i think i think one important the thing the motivations to, to... though are, are are much much different in the and i think like the questions that they ask as a result of that are also very different you do have you know this the a, a big entity going after a little guy that and that is true in, in that respect i think it's interesting though how minority report you know it it, it didn't delve into the issue of precogs and corporate interests and how they could ruin the stock market, you know what I mean? Right. Or uh, be used uh, in a military capacity. It's it's not. It's all boiled down to uh, using it to police the population. Like, I feel if the film was made today, it would have been like that, I feel, you know? Um, I, th- <clears throat> I feel like it would have been steered in that direction, which I think it wouldn't have been as good. <laughs> well, I think where these connect is... is... 
kind of what I was, what it says here, what I'm reading is like there there are very specific themes that Philip K. Dick touches on, which is why his adaptations tend to have the same ideas like you're bringing right. up like the corporate uh right. corporate side of things and and government control but i think where they kind of bridge and where they meet is the idea of social control so like mm-hmm. in paycheck like very true very true they're changing the popu- the the future of the population to work with them so that which is for monetary interest but also to control them so that for war and not going to war or going to war and then making much money off of it and the same thing with um Minority Report, it's like, how do we control people and stop them from committing crimes because they're so afraid to commit crimes that we just, like, we know they're going to commit a crime, so they'll be afraid to commit a crime. Like, how do we control the population? Right. Which, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Philip Cade's, his dick's, his stuff tends to be dystopian in that sense. Dystopian and the social side of things, for sure. Uh, <laughs> like... In contrast to the other authors, because like I just got done, um, I just finished Childhood's End by Clark, and uh, like Clark is all about like how do we tell a story on a macro scale, like or uh, yeah, macro scale with like a bunch of time in between stuff, and like just like these little snippets of of scenes, but then like you have this huge overarching philosophy, you know, like two thousand one obviously is is the best example of that. Um, and then you have you know Philip K. Dick, who's like, how do we talk about the the small guy, the little man, the the single person right. fighting against the system, the micro penis, like, yeah, the micro penis. Um, <laughs> just killed my train of thought. Yeah. Uh, I think but yeah. uh, I think Paycheck really would have benefited had it been about the military and this private organization, this private company, fighting over this technology. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they, the one thing that they did get right was kind of, was uh, altering the source of the technology. You know, like the one thing they did really, really well was, uh, you know, in the, uh, in the movie, the time, this, essentially this, this technology was, uh, uh, they gained from a rogue government scientist, which is why the FBI is on the trail and why they're involved in that sort of stuff. If you married that, you know, with, you know, uh, Ben Affleck torn between, evil government that wants to exploit this technology versus corporate interests that want to exploit this technology, you know, throw him in the, in the middle of it where he's forced to destroy the whole thing rather than, you know, use it for himself to get rich. Cause he makes a, a, a big decision, big moment, you know, where he's like, okay, well, I was just after my 90 million, but as a result of my journey, I've changed and I'm just going to destroy the thing, you know, like that's, that's where this film I think would have been, would have been yeah. best. Then you got John Woo directing two giant groups, you know, of of adversaries like going at each other and Affleck caught in the middle. That would be way more up his alley, I think, than yeah. making a movie that has themes or, or raises questions or right. makes you think. I don't think that's really because yeah. that's fair. That's like kind of what Hard Boiled is. Like Hard Boiled is very much like the that like two groups like versus each other and then coming together in an in an interesting way at the end. Totally. Yeah. 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 I definitely agree. Um, so we're kind of getting tight on time here, so I think we'll skip doing the takeaways and we will kind of towards kind of just more wrap things up here. Um, Are we doing our pitches? We will. We'll do that after. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll do, do that, that after. after. Uh, Riggs, so, did you have like a list of any kind you wanted to to read? 
I did. Yeah. I know um, we didn't we didn't get to it. We were going to uh, surprise you guys, but I think we just couldn't find a, an area to include this list. Yeah. There <laughs> so really was an I, organic just, way to do it. So let's right. yeah, thank so you, Jake. Let's shoehorn this it. fucking thing in. Yeah, we'll j- just hard introduce it, really jarring, so he can uh, read it. For you guys. Yeah, so we, we had planned to kind of get all the dick jokes like out of the way, like up front, you know. So like uh, you could say uh, that we discussed how these short dick stories were elongated into features, for example. Oh, right. This, this is part of why I made so many dick jokes like during this episode because I was like trying to like segue into that but it, they just never like landed like in like a decent place to like segue into it they never they're all yeah. like you just couldn't fit it in I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah i think uh, people are uh yeah we, were, we we did a lot of dicking around that's for sure <laughs> all right shoot them out real quick <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we were uh, dicking around uh we discussed technology that could pre Dick, the future, uh, <laughs> and uh, also we had an excellent intercourse over all things Dick today. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that's pretty good. Jake, that's pretty good. Jake, do you uh, do you got any that you uh, that you want to share? Um, uh, I went on a road trip, and beforehand, I had to fill up my gas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't fit something in with like a dick and an angel and like everything else. Oh like, shit, I totally forgot about I was that. just gonna say that, you know <laughs> Too much. I, I, it's already too far. <laughs> too far. Something, something to the degree that <laughs> we're all white and it, like <laughs> What? Angel never dick? Never mind, never mind. Uh, <laughs> that holy dick. Okay. Well, I'm glad we got that out of our system right. here at the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, uh, white as in like semen, not like I was going to be like white as in like. Oh, I link, see. What you're going but for. yeah. Oh. <laughs> but now that I brought it up, no. Oh, now you just made it. Let's more. get on it. <laughs> uh, I'm glad we got it in. But yeah. Um, that's perfect, because now we can segue right into Gavin Fultz's weekend recommendation. Right. Oh, <laughs> I know. I get this joke now. Oh. That's hilarious. Yeah, so this week's weekend recommends comes from Gavin Fultz, which is your cousin, Jacob. He is my cousin. Um, he says, quote, Robin Hood Men in Tights movie. <laughs> Mel Brooks. Oh, I think that was because it was... Uh, it's not it's not Robin Hood Men in Tights movie. I think it was just tagged that way on Facebook. So Robin Hood Men in Tights, Mel Brooks, comedic genius, brings you his own version of the classic story. And unlike some other Robin Hoods, Carrie L. Elways can speak with an English accent. As the sheriff of Nottingham would say, recommend can't enough movie this eye. That's a, that's a reference to the uh, yeah, scene of the I movie. I imagine yeah. that's what that is from, yes. Yeah, but that I movie is fucking hilarious. That's good. It is yeah. funny. Yeah, I young uh, Dave it, Chappelle, so. too, stars in that. Yeah, oh, young really? Dave Chappelle. That's, right. that's hilarious. He, play, yeah, he plays the black, or no, he doesn't play the black sheriff. He becomes the first black sheriff. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then there's like a Blazing Saddles reference. I was going to say, oh, it's nice. like a Blazing Saddles reference. Yeah, yeah. Nice. it's pretty funny. That's funny. Uh, the blind guy is freaking hysterical in that. <laughs> there's a scene where... He like falls off, like out of, like he falls off of like a tower, and he and he and he stands up and he's like, 
oh my god, I can see! And then he starts bolting off to go tell everybody, and he runs into a tree. And, and then he like, he's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> Uh, it's freaking oh, genius. Humor. It's a genius. Uh, Mel Brooks is is a funny guy. It's classic. Yeah. Uh, so Robin Hood Men in Tights. Thank you, Gavin, for that recommendation. Uh, so, Tyler, do you have anything that you'd like to plug, you want to talk about, uh, bring up, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. Uh, I was actually able to obtain some uh, commercial sponsorship from uh, from uh, down here in uh, Phoenix for this podcast here, so I got to plug them here real quick. <clears throat> All right, got it. All right, they wanted me to read this. Uh, this week's episode is sponsored by Super Cash Loan Centers. With check cashing kiosks and liquor stores all over the <laughs> valley, Super Cash is ready to serve you. Are you like? I'm not ben seeing Affleck? any money from this wait. sponsorship. So why are we? Wait, why are we? <laughs> I'm not getting paid by this. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Shut up, uh, are you like Ben Affleck, waking up on payday to find yourself broke? You definitely could have used Super Cash's Paycheck Advance service. Spiraling into a dangerous and predatory cycle of debt has never been easier or more fun with Super Cash's payday loans. Super Cash, get papered up. There we go. I made nice. 10 bucks doing that. Boom. That's pretty good. That's almost uh, enough money for like a McDonald's like meal with the soda and everything. Almost. I don't, I don't think it would cover the tax. No, McDonald's <laughs> is expensive now. It's so expensive. Fast yeah, food. Dude. It's weird how expensive yeah. fast food is now. Yes, it's not even worth it to go to to go to fast food. Go to the movies instead. It'd be better. Right. Um, Popcorn is cheaper at the movie theater. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Just eat that. So uh, just, yeah, just fucking eat high fructose corn syrup strings. Yeah, <laughs> just do that. <laughs> uh, so and then also check out Millpool Films. Uh, you know, David plugged that one as well. Millpool M I L P O O L O O L. That is right. M I L P O O L Films dot com. It can uh, stay uh, stay on top of uh, what we're doing, etc. And uh, read our bio, watch some of our recent shorts, all sorts yep. of fun stuff. Absolutely. Office Batman is up there, right? That it is. That it absolutely okay, cool. is. Yeah, Sweet. We've, uh, we've, yeah. We've talked about it a couple of times, and I, I don't. I didn't know if it was available when we had talked about it. So you know, because um, I think when we talked about it initially, it was it was still in the circuit uh, stage. So it, mm-hmm. it's nice to know that it's actually it's out that people can watch it now. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. sweet. It, it's up like Philip K. Dick. <laughs> 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 Yes. Who's going to get go the last Fultz. one in? Uh, <laughs> I think it was you. Uh, that's funny. Do you have any other plugs? Yeah, anything else? Um, I'm trying to think here. Billpool Films. Um, IFP. Check out IFPPHX.org. That's the uh, uh, independent uh, filmmaking organization that Dave and I work for uh, down here in Phoenix. So uh, anybody in Arizona that is a filmmaker definitely needs to check that out. Uh, we have uh, coming up uh, our re- last uh, most recent short. Uh, it's called Helsing Incorporated. Uh, that is actually going to be playing at the Phoenix Film Festival uh, this April. So anybody that is uh, in the area that's going to the festival should definitely check us out there. We'll be in the uh, Arizona Shorts uh, competition in the Arizona Shorts block. Uh, and uh, also stay tuned for a game-changing drone film in the next couple <laughs> of months, hopefully. 
Yeah. Sweet. That's good. Check that out. Yeah. All right. So if you have any questions, topics, topic suggestions, opinions, or any fact corrections, send an email to btbfilmspodcast at gmail.com. You can also visit our Facebook page to comment on or discuss this week's episode or any past episodes, all of which can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Uh, if you like the show, please, 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 please rate it because it helps others find us. You can also follow us on Letterboxd at Jaquino, which is J-A-K-I-N-O for Jacob and Hyperion Creator for me. Byron also has one. Do you Are you on Letterboxd? Do you want people to follow you? Yeah, I'm on Letterboxd. Uh, I don't know if anybody... I don't. I haven't used it forever. Okay. It's R I G G S T R maybe. Okay. R I G G S T R. Look that up if you want to follow yeah. Tyler. Uh, our intro and outro music was composed by Curtis Skinner, who can be found at skinnyproducing.com. Are you tired of your chode? Well, try this new device that'll help you have a skinny dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. Oh. I don't even know how to respond. I don't have a guy. You don't. Have, just, if you just keep going. Yeah, just barrel That's forward. Fine. Apparently, we're just yeah. going to keep taking it K- and taking it. K- <laughs> K- 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 wow, the Nazi over here with his KKK dick joke. K skinny dick. I was going more with the, the, the you know. Uh, what's the guy from South Park, Mr. Garrison? <laughs> Mr. Garrison. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, the, oh, okay. Mr. Mac. Yeah. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mac. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's been too long. There it is. <laughs> it uh, is too long. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. One last dick joke. Who's got it? I, I have a small one. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. That's it. That's the one. That's yeah, I had I had one, but that's that's way better. Uh, next week we'll be talking about the concept of remaking your own movie with Michael Haneke's Funny Games and Funny Games US and I know the US version can be found on Netflix you're in that slow class are you 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 alive? (laughs) my stomach (laughs) oh that was good sorry so as I was saying uh, we're going to be doing Michael Haneke's Funny Games, Funny Games US. Funny Games US can be found on Netflix. Um, it's the, uh, what the, what's her face? Um, God dang it. Naomi Watts oh, yes. version is on Netflix. The 2008 um, version is yeah. really good. Yeah. So basically he did Funny Games and remade it later uh, for the US. So make sure you watch the films. Be a part of the discussion. Thank you, Tyler, for uh, being on the show. And yeah, thank Guys, you. thank you for having me. I had an absolute blast. That, God, has it been two hours? Wow. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's time fun. Two hours? Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah. We're pretty damn fast. Yeah. yeah, 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 guys! I had absolute blast. Loved, uh, loved it, and uh, yeah, you're awesome. Yeah, even full. We'll absolutely have you back on again too. So yeah, it was good. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thanks, man, for for coming on. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thank you guys. Thanks for listening. Peace. Ah, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs>